This is the Wealthy.com podcast. Wealthy is a community health platform specializing in COVID relief, response, and protection. We also promote general community physical and mental wellness via education from blogs, vlogs, and podcasts. Please visit Wealthy.com for access to more information. When can I go back to school, Daddy? Welcome to Part 3A and B of the Back to School series for Wealthy.com. Enter the dads. This one's a fun, surprisingly emotionally charged episode. These dads run the gamut of a single fatherdom, to father of four, to father with kids who are medically high risk. They talk for nearly two hours, thus the need for the two-part episode. As always, indicates where I pause the conversation to offer either my own perspective, or in this episode's case, information I had to verify or debunk. This one definitely gets a bit more tense than the previous ones, but I know all these gentlemen and they all mean well, despite some of the frustrations that may arise. Enjoy. All right. Again, uh, I'm Brandon Lawrence. I'm an emergency medicine physician uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, working for Wealthy.com. This is their wellness podcast. A series today is on uh, opening schools, and these are fathers of uh, the community that I'm involved with, and they're going to express their their uh, opinions on school reopening and uh, kind of what we saw in the spring, uh, how COVID has affected them personally and what they see fit for their families going forward. So if you want to uh, maybe take a second, introduce yourself, what, what age kids you have and um, maybe what you do for a living, et cetera, that'd be great. Okay. Um, I am Kyle English. I am in Northern Indiana, emergency physician, um, recently divorced, uh, now single dad, seven-year-old and a four-year-old boy. Um, and uh, trying to live that life and do the best we can. My county is the number two county per capita of COVID cases in Indiana, number three overall. And um, so we, we have some COVID going around, obviously, but nobody close to me has had it. Okay. Jared. Sure. My, uh, I'm Jared Cohen. Um, I am... I work in marketing in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I have a, I'm a father of three, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and in a couple of weeks, a three-year-old. And um, I don't have uh, anyone close to me, very close to me in terms of family or immediate friends that have, uh, have had to deal with the virus, but do have uh, some colleagues and some other, you know, acquaintances that have had to deal with it. Some brushed it off like it was nothing just about with allergies and some had some extreme scares in the hospital so um it's been uh, all over the place and living in what one at one point was the mecca of COVID-19 you know when I had someone I work with who works in Cyprus emailing me asking me if my family's okay in the Middle East uh you know it's probably not a good thing that Arizona not just the United States is making news internationally so uh uh, but I'm looking forward to talking with you all about this topic. It's it's one that I, you know, like others have had a range of emotions on and uh, have had to dealt with different things. But uh, I'm curious to hear how other people's experiences have been. All right, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, Mike Adams. I've got uh, four little boys at home, 11, 9, 6, and 4. Uh, I'm in the medical device space. actually just started a company with Brandon. Uh, not just focused on COVID, but uh, protection for HCP all across the state. That's awesome. Tyler. 
I'm Tyler. I have two girls, seven and three. Um, I'm a brewer in northern Phoenix, Arizona, and my wife is a pediatrician. So we've been kind of trying to figure out this whole COVID thing. There she is behind us. Uh, <laughs> trying to figure out this COVID thing one day at a time. And uh, personally, I don't know anybody who's had COVID, but having a wife on the uh, front lines definitely lets us know kind of where the pulse of Arizona is right now, which has kind of been crazy. So, All right, and Becky's not just a pediatrician. She's my kid's pediatrician. So let's get that straight. That's true. Yes, that is and she, true. She's also going to be a future guest on this series once we can get them scheduled. So that's going to be great. So get out of my frames. Bye <laughs> 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 <Spy> time. <laughs> Hi, Becky. I don't get a hi, though. That's great. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Becky. Lauren came in here looking, expecting to see everybody, and she saw mm. only the one she doesn't know, which is Kyle. <laughs> I think she was disappointed. <laughs> Most people are. What are you going to do? Well, I think this just sets the stage for this lovable, dysfunctional bunch. Just like my favorite MCU movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mike is awkwardly tall, so he's definitely Groot. All right. Um, okay, so let's let's go kind of in the same order here and talk about uh, individually what happened in March, what what went well, what went wrong, how it changed the kind of the family dynamic, and how you guys dealt with uh, educating the children while also trying to maintain your your life and working. So March hit and school is out and daycare is out, and I am now in the midst of a custody battle and trying to figure out how to watch the kids and also work and not give up the kids on my days. And so uh, basically any day I didn't work, I had the boys and we did e-learning at home two hours a day, three days a week about of learning time. The longest any of the videos were from the teachers were about 10 minutes a piece. And my son, Theo, uh, getting through this stuff is like, um, do I really have to do this? I know how to draw a flip-flop. I don't need to draw another flip-flop. <laughs> and uh, it's like, this is pretty pointless. Um, so it's, it was okay, but it felt like an early summer vacation. It did not feel like school at all. Uh, do you feel like, kind of based on that story and the two hours that, that maybe your kids fell behind academically or do you think you guys got through it okay? I think we're okay because we have, uh, I mean, for whatever my ex-wife did, um, she's still a good mom and I'm still a good dad and we teach and they're already ahead. So I don't think they fell behind. Um, but if we didn't go through the e-learning with them, if we didn't help them through it, if we didn't read to them every day, they certainly would fall behind. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I know everyone's dealt with a tough situation. Um, back in March, I remember the first day that we decided to keep everyone home. It was before my, my office was telling people we're, we're a pretty strict work in the office, not working from home company. So um, I remember calling him and telling him I'm not going into work today. Uh, there's a lot up in the air. Um, school isn't open. Um, and uh, it's spring break. And there's just a lot of weird stuff going on, but but kind of fast forwarding through all of that, the 
the craziest part of the whole thing was, I mean, Brandon, you asked the question, do you feel like your kids fell behind? I absolutely felt like my kids fell behind when it comes to reading. Um, one of the hardest things for me was looking at, you know, my eight-year-old who's going to be in third grade and trying to empower her to try to take this into her own hands and, and, and work on it on her own and challenge herself and kind of try to do the work ethic things that you try to instill in kids at a young age. And so you just send her, we, we would, once things finally got organized because it was chaotic for the first two weeks on where do we download this assignment and what password goes with this and, and what do we print out and what do they need to do that's due today. And at the end of the week, once we finally got that honed in, we would print all of her worksheets out. We hand them to her and we'd be like, Hey, try to knock this out on your own, see how you do. And then if you need help with anything, skip it and uh, we'll come back to it together. Well, before she'd even get started, she'd, she'd start crying and she would give up. Partially it was because she's not a good enough reader yet to read the directions on her know and understand what she's even supposed to do. And when you don't have a teacher that's not teaching you in the morning how to do these things, uh, it makes it really challenging. And now all of a sudden it becomes drama in the house about her crying and she's upset that she's sad and not upset that she can't do her homework and that gets us upset. Now we're being taken away from our jobs and now we have to shush her because I have a meeting and a call I need to be on in five minutes. There was a lot of that that happened over the span of the last eight weeks of the school year. We kind of honed it in towards the end, but on top of it, we had a two-year-old who also we were keeping home um, from daycare, even though the daycare has never closed since March and has had no reported cases, which is pretty remarkable. They've done a great job and they have great leadership over there, but we thought it would be counterproductive to send him while we were keeping the rest of us home. It just, that didn't make sense. You might as well just all be there. So now my two-year-old son is addicted to the television because while we were spending so much time working with my girls who are in elementary school and spending time on our jobs to make sure that we kept them and were in good standing, because if either of us lost our jobs, we're two working parents, my wife works, um, we would be in a very tough situation. So we had Netflix and Disney Plus babysitting our two-year-old for six hours a day at times. And mm. we would force him to nap. And sometimes he'd wake up from his nap and we'd keep him up there until we were ready to get him or ready to get to a stopping point. How's that for a two-year-old's upbringing? You know, we, we felt terrible for him and we didn't we didn't think we were doing the right thing. We were just doing what we needed to do to survive because it all felt temporary. Um, so that's that's kind of the synopsis of where we were at. We definitely grew as a family. It wasn't all negative. You know, my wife and I, I don't think have ever been more on the same page and more uh, teamwork oriented. Um, but uh, but it was it was pretty rough there for the first month, I would say, just getting through all of some of those challenges. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, just to sum up it sounds like having two working parents three kids and two that need to need to have schooling is really easy huh it's the easiest thing in the world <laughs> so quick note here jared is my cousin we grew up together he and his father my uncle are the two most patient human beings i've ever met he's a wonderful dad and husband and has three awesome kids it's heartbreaking to me to hear about his eldest child having this experience she's a wonderful confident little girl and he was clearly going about it the right way and using terms like empowerment and initially trying to allow her to work on her own as much as possible. Granted, schools have had months to get things more organized, but if the fall is a similar experience in his household, that's just not going to work. It's also a tough situation with their youngest. I don't have an answer here. 
if he had chosen for him to stay home this fall. With both he and his wife working and trying to help the big kids with school, the little was left in this situation. They did, however, elect him to, to go to daycare this fall, so many crises averted. This situation is not unique. The anecdotal average amount of children per family in the U.S. is 2.5, so having three youngish kids, all school-ish age, with two working parents is most definitely a common occurrence. So what's the answer here? How can they both do their 40 hours per week job while ensuring their eight and six-year-old are able to focus on the computer for the day and assist what they don't understand work-wise? While giving attention to the youngest child so he's not being raised by Netflix. My head hurts just thinking about it. Tyler, did you have something to say? Yeah, and uh, just to kind of jump off of what Jared was saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when you're talking about your eight-year-old, one of the things that are at our house, it was like, I don't know what she's not supposed to know. So yes, <laughs> you give yeah. me a worksheet. I, if mm -hmm. you're assigning a worksheet, I'm assuming she knows how to do the worksheet. But the truth yeah. of the yeah. matter is, she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. So, and to take it even to, to take it even that step further, what if we don't know what the hell to do? <laughs> yeah. Here's a true. Here's a true story. I my daughter is working on geometry. That was the one area in math that I just I never got it. I didn't. I was pretty good in algebra. I was pretty good in other areas of math. Geometry was just never my thing. And of course, what is introduced to her during the pandemic? Geometry. So there was an assignment where I literally had no clue what the hell it was asking. I have a friend of mine who, before he became a real estate agent, was a teacher. And I called him and asked him what it meant. And he was like, do you want me to go over it with both of you on a phone? And I said, sure. And sure enough, we FaceTimed a buddy of mine who was a former yeah. teacher. And he there walked both of us through how to do it. And that was during a work day. That okay. was, I didn't, it's not like I had time to break away and and have study session with a buddy of mine. It was in the middle of working, trying to help get her through her assignment. I'm assuming this is our mutual college friend, Ian, here. He's a great guy. Importantly, though, this reinforces my stance mentioned last episode about the role of parenting versus the role of teaching. Sure, most parents can adequately teach certain subjects, but many have gaps in their education, and many haven't used things such as geometry in 20-plus years. Again, there needs to be some sort of crash course prepared for parents to teach these kinds of lessons. Not knowing what your kids don't know is an interesting concept. I think this part is something that, in retrospect, will be felt much more drastically in the abrupt cancellation of school last spring versus the upcoming school that's starting now. They've had time to prepare, and now parents have had some months of helping teach their kids under their belt. Hopefully, at least, that part will continue more smoothly. And I'm lucky I have a math degree, so I'm helping Theo learn math, and he's not falling behind, but it's still only an hour once, you know, two times a week, and then Harry is maybe doing a craft, but probably watching Disney Plus, just like, just like Jared, not, not a great situation, and I'm by myself, and there you go. So I, I think we're about to hear the, the funniest situation. Let's, let's look, <laughs> let's listen to the Adams household. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like running a small prison, right? Um, where the inmates get out of control often. And so for us, it was a little bit weird. So all, all four boys go to the same school. Uh, they're all, uh, our youngest was in pre-K three, so essentially daycare, but at the school. And uh, so things are great for us when we could just drop them off every day and they do their thing. March hit and when they made the closure, I think the school made the assumption that they would go back in a couple of weeks, right? It was a temporary shutdown. So I don't right. think they were fully prepared for what online even meant, right? So for the first week, 
essentially they treated it like an extra spring break. Second week, emails started going out saying, hey, same thing, come pick up some packets. Well, okay, they're just printouts, no instructions, no what's actually do, what do we have to bring back? What are, what are we actually doing here? So third week in, they start sending more emails and trying to schedule the Zoom calls. Well, we'd have four Zoom calls at the exact same time. You're trying to have a pre-K kid on a Zoom call at the same time as a, as a fifth grader. And we, you know, there's limited resources as far as computers and who's on what. And then, I mean, I had one kid trying to do show choir on computer, which will make you want to put a knife in your face. And, <laughs> and if you've so never met an just, Adams boy, they are active. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were at Brandon's house for maybe five minutes yesterday and they were screaming and doing Chinese fire drills outside the car <laughs> the, the second we got it in park. So we, at a certain point, I think it was about five weeks in, I mean, we, we reached a breaking point of we can't, we both work, we can't do this anymore. There's just two, we had received over 200 emails because each kid has two different teachers mm. for each class. And so sometimes the teachers wouldn't even be on the same page. What's due, what's not due, what, where are we trying to track things? Um, and so finally we, we called the office and said, hey, we're, we're done for the semester. And if you tell us you're gonna hold us back because we don't complete these activities, okay, great, we'll figure it out, we'll get it done, but we're, we're not gonna do your busy work because you think this is what you're supposed to do. And uh, so what I say, you know, did our kids fall behind? Probably my, the, the six-year-old's the one I worry about the most from a reading perspective. I think that was probably, you know, because they are going through all the sight words and they're, they're in that everyday practice mode. And even if you're trying to do Zoom for an hour or two hours a day, they're not gaining any sort of meaningful, meaningful skill in that time frame, right? It's the first half hour is, is everybody on mute? Is everybody, uh, you know, paying yeah. attention? And so nothing was really being accomplished in my opinion. So we talked to the office. I mean, it came down to essentially for our oldest was he's in advanced math. If he wanted to stay in it, then he'd have to complete a certain amount of work within uh, this online program. So it was up to him if he wanted to do that. He said he did. So he completed that work and, uh, and, and we essentially moved on. I, I think even with the sense of did they fall behind? Maybe, but I also think that this is such a different thing, having eight weeks off at the end of the school year and no relearning. I think everybody's gonna reset, just like every other summer when kids come back and go, I don't remember what I did last May, right? And so it's gonna be a hard stop and re restart. And I think it's gonna take a lot longer than, than, than it would normally, but they'll, they'll catch back up. What was the school's reaction when you said we're not going to do it anymore because that certainly crossed our minds uh at, at a few different points during all of this <laughs> yeah, this is where it gets good yeah so i mean we we went in and and, and said hey yeah we're, we're we're done with this and uh, it was interesting because every other week there would be an email this so it started out with your grades aren't going to change essentially if you know if you like where your grades are at the the last quarter won't count great you know do this work it'll help you out then two weeks in, it goes, well, if you don't turn in work, because clearly there were not enough people turning in work, they're going to count towards incompletes with no explanation of what does an incomplete mean. Okay, fine. We find out incompletes aren't, aren't anything. Well, then like two weeks left in the semester, they're going to be counted as absences. What does that mean? Well, they're absences, and they could potentially, so constantly having to understand, well, you're moving the needle on us every single time. So finally, we went in and 
had the discussion with the principal and, and she's like, well, aren't you trying to teach your kid to do hard things? And I said, it's not, it's not about doing hard things. Like this seems like an impossible task in an impossible time. So, you know, the, this, the hardest thing I'm teaching them is to, to survive in a crazy time that nobody expected. Right. And I think what was fun for us, our six-year-old, the one I was concerned with the most and has the most energy and, and will probably end up in jail is, you know, Brandon and I were doing these, yeah, <laughs> we're doing these intubation boxes. And so, I mean, he would go to the office with me and every single day help build things. And like, I was showing him how we're helping other people through hard work and, and, and the time sacrifice. So he, he learned something different that he probably would have never been able to do obviously with out this kind of time. Right. So uh, I, it, there's a give and take there, but I, I wouldn't take that back. Boy, do these dads seem to be a chaotic nightmare. Granted, they each have multiple school-aged children compared to the mom's group, but each of their stories are so much more disorder. Trying to figure out the logistics of three kids on three different tablets and computers at the same time is a headache, and I don't even have these kids. This is a problem that I do not see a way around. Every school is going to have multiple siblings in a family, and it's impossible to cater scheduling to them. I think that Mike hit it on the head that amidst all the chaos, it's the very early readers, such as his six-year-old, that will be most significantly affected. Jared's, Jared's eight-year-old, who is an okay reader by now, will be able to get through coursework eventually, but it's a six-year-old who's learning their fundamentals and recognizing words that that will uh, start falling behind. It doesn't seem to help that the Adams school kept switching the goalposts on them in regards to what was expected schoolwork-wise. This, I do feel, will be completely ironed out with the, present, with the preparation sorry, for the fall. I know this pandemic has been awful for a lot of families, but it has also provided a lot of genuine family time, and I hope this is a silver lining that comes out of this. Mike bringing his six-year-old with him to work on our project that helped others and teaching him about this was a beautiful message. The big guy's got heart for a walking tree. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I, I got the opportunity, I think, several times to this to talk with Tyler about kind of the struggles of all this, about trying to make sure your kids are, are, aren't falling behind. And I think he take, took this about as seriously as anyone else that I've met. And uh, I think it, it negatively affected him a little bit, trying to make sure his girls are, are doing as well as they could. So Tyler, I, I think you're a very valuable piece of this to hear, hear your opinion. Yeah, so um, same with everybody in March, we got the crazy call that, you know, don't come back after spring break <laughs> game. And I am, um, we have a, our three-year-old is, um, she's a high risk. She has what's called a laryngeal cleft. So she gets a lot of stuff in her lungs and she's in the hospital if she gets the flu. So there was no choice but to take her out of daycare. Like there was nothing, there was never a question if, if she could go back um, until this is recovered because if we're in the PICU for a cold, I can't even fathom what we'd be in if she got the virus. So that was our, our first issue. And then with my kind of like what Jared was talking about with his daughter, I have a seven year old too. She's in first grade. And um, it was, it, it's tough because kind of saying the comment I gave to Jared, you know, it was the same thing. They would shoot us all of these packets. They would, they would, they would be telling us we need to complete this stuff. And it ended up being more fights than teaching because it would, the conversations would lead from, well, what were you doing a week ago? How, how like, if, if you weren't learning this a week ago, how are you supposed to know it today? And, you know, there was just so much information given to us. 
Um, and my wife, obviously, like I said, she's a physician. I took time off now to be home because I had to be home with both girls. And uh, during this time, we realized that Zoe is also dyslexic. So during this whole time... Wait, you didn't know this beforehand? No. Like, so like we knew she was having struggles with like sounds and stuff like that. So a lot of people think dyslexia stems from, you know, looking at letters backwards or looking at words backwards. But the really young kids, when they start out dyslexia, it's actually that they can't pick out sounds in order to reiterate what they're seeing on the page. Wow. So... Silver lining, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, silver lining, sure, but now we need to find a, uh, an IEP, but there's no one to give her one because, because we're the ones that like, oh, what can the school do? Well, she's not at school. Right. So one, to kind of to, to what Mike was doing, we did this probably for like three or four weeks. And what ended up happening was, is that it, she ended up not enjoying school. So just like Mike, we're like, we're done. Like, this is more detrimental. Like, me sitting here trying to, you know, I'll be the first to admit, teaching is not my, that's not my skill set. Like, my background is not teaching. Like, now I'm a brewer, but before I worked in, you know, finance and logistics for Nike, like, teaching a six-year-old how to read is, is not what I'm good at. And I know that, but it's like I'd be helping her try to, like, to Jared's point, hey, go do these cheats. I mean, literally word for word to what you were saying, Jared. I'm going to print these out. If you have any questions, come get me. And like that, she'd sit down and she'd start crying. And so you put these on these kids who have, you know, I'm not saying Jared's daughter has a learning disability. Mine does, right? My daughter who has a learning disability who we didn't really understand or know about. We're now at home trying to do status quo, and it's making her experience absolutely terrible. To the point where it's like we had these little one hour sessions once a week with her teacher, not even like all the time, um, where she's like, I don't want to do this. So when that starts happening, we're just like, okay, what can we do at home? And that's when we started doing kind of, uh, once again, kind of like Mike was saying, we, we started doing just other things. Like we bought um, this butterfly garden that shows how the life cycle of butterflies, like we started doing things that was more exploratory than fill out these sheets. And the other thing that's really crazy about Zoe's school is that she's in a Chinese immersion program. So her, her math and science is in Chinese. <laughs> hey, you work for Nike. You should know Chinese. I know, well, you know, I know Ni Hao. I know, you know but like, it's it's tough. like I'll get a printed sheet and it's like they're working with rulers and I show her I'm like do you do you know what they're asking you to do <laughs> and, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, and, I, and then like I'm asking the teacher and she's like well you can always just like highlight it and then like google translate I'm like no like I I get we were all caught off guard you know that I'm not blaming anyone for being you know trying to figure out the best way to do this but when you have that type of expectation fall on the parents um, and you have other kids at home, like so many of us do, like to sit here and listen to a Chinese lesson with my three-year-old calling me the pizza man, <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not happening. And so something's got to give. And, and I don't know what the answer is, but like I said, we were like towards, I was so glad that we're in Arizona and school gets out in May 
because come like the last second to last week in April, we were like, this, this isn't it. Like we're, she's not going to want to go back next year. Yeah. And if, and if we're still at home next year, I'm not going to want to do this. Like at least now I've had a little bit of like a brainwashing where I maybe forgot what it was kind of like. So we'll try again, but I'll tell you right now, <laughs> come into April, it was, it was wretched. We were done. Okay. So this situation is interesting, but definitely not the norm. It's unfortunate but fantastic that they were able to catch that Zoe has dyslexia. But now what? They have no resources. Trying to teach her in a way that she can understand coming from a father who loves his kids to death but has no experience working with a dyslexic child has clearly put a strain on the relationship between him and Zoe and Zoe's relationship with schooling. Adding in Mandarin makes this almost of a Hollywood-level tragic comedy. If schools are to maintain distance learning, this cannot continue. Teachers, schools, and district resources need to adapt, and they'll also need to be malleable on the fly. I'm sure it will be at least somewhat common for this sort of learning disability to become evident, and the planning will need to encompass with the ability to divert new special resources where applicable. Yeah, I, I think, think one of the things I was surprised by was how quickly they fell into summer mode. Mm -hmm. That first week, it was like, I asked what, you literally went to school every day from eight to three, and now if I'm asking you to do anything for 30 minutes, you're losing your mind. Yep. The structure, the structure went out the window immediately. And I think a huge chunk of that is socially. That's, that's really what's been the biggest issue for us is the social. I mean, our oldest went through full depression, wouldn't even get out of, like get off the couch. I mean, it Ooh. was, it was brutal. So much less trying to yeah. get him engaged to get up and do advanced math or you know some sort of english project i mean it was the 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 mental aspect of it i think is what we're missing on a lot of it i wonder if this kid was dealing with a reactive stress issue or even some mild depression here kids being away from their friends is difficult again this is more for the social development discussion that will be later the biggest thing for me no doubt and uh had my kids back in camp since uh since basically june second week of june and my my six-year-old who's my middle child is always i think she found that if she starts to say that she didn't enjoy something as much or didn't have a great day she notices she gets a little bit more attention or her parents are a little bit more attentive to her as a result more so than if it's a positive experience but both of my girls have been going to a camp since the middle of june and they they'd rather be at camp than they would be at home on the weekends and I don't know if that's just a product of change of pace, it's camp, they're playing, they're with other kids, or it's a product of we were home for 80 consecutive days stuck in our house doing schoolwork and stressing out and while we were working and, and, and all this stuff. And now they finally got a grasp of what real life is like or, or back to what it's like when we're at school and they appreciate it more. I don't know what the psychoanalytics or the psychology behind it is, but there is definitely a change in them once they were able to be around kids their own age. And I think that says a lot because you guys all have kids roughly around the same age and, and they're at the age where they all love going to school because yeah. it's still fun. They're seeing their parents, they're seeing their, their friends and having you guys thrust in this teacher role where it's all just kind of frustration takes, takes all the, the bad part of, of school, the learning that they do with the teachers, but they don't get any of the fun part. Right. And one thing I'll say just listening to you guys is across the country and across just me and versus you, the curriculums are all different. They didn't give us packets and they didn't have Zoom meetings. They had a couple of Zoom meetings with just the teacher just for fun. 
you ever involved ever involved yourself with a zoom meeting with a bunch of seven-year-olds there's no teaching going on look at my little brother oh look it's my puppy and you got 20 of these <laughs> doing that for an hour we we had like a google docs thing three days a week and it was like do this assignment watch this youtube video and it was like no interaction with the teacher like i didn't like talk to the teacher at all she like posted a video of herself and that was it yeah and so that just shows you that every place is different nothing is structured and it's all inadequate yeah the google doc thing brings up something funny is the second grade teacher decided at a certain point or realized at a certain point that not every family for some reason didn't have a printer in their house and they weren't going to mandate that people be able to print stuff. So she decided to make all of these different assignments in a Google Doc. Well, my daughter has never done anything in a Google Doc before. It included dragging arrows or typing yeah. in numbers. And she would consistently delete the boxes, delete <laughs> the boxes that she was supposed to use to answer questions. <laughs> so then it, you know what it turned into? It turned into us printing that out for her so she could finish it with her hand and then I or my wife would have to complete it in the Google Doc, and that's what we would submit. It is just a colossal waste of time for all of disaster. us. Disaster. All right, let's give teachers a little bit of leeway here. They had very little time to prepare. Sure, a Google Doc for a six-year-old on the surface seems like a good idea, but it's clearly a miss. There are dozens of other modalities that some schools already had in use for online learning prior to the pandemic and school closures. Hopefully the schools employ some of these other programs going forward and they're just a little bit more age appropriate and user friendly in order to better facilitate this at home learning. Yeah. yeah. So I think Tyler offers uh, kind of the most difficult part of this whole thing because we know um, school kids for the most part are probably going to do okay, right? We see the data from the kids in Europe, obviously the, the infection rates are far lower there, but they all did okay. We see Jared's uh, Little's um, camp did fine. The camp that they're in now is doing okay, but Tyler's in the unique position where it's a little bit still scary. You have a kiddo that if they do get it, they might not be just the, the, the normal cold or even asymptomatic, right? So it's, uh, you don't really get to see that very often where you have the, the unique kid that, that's what everyone's worry is. Yeah, on March 5th, I can, I, beginning of March, I remember very distinctly watching the news and calling Rebecca right away and being like, we need to re-up her steroid and we need to re-up her albuterol for her breathing machine stat. Um, because I, to, to, like, just to be clear, and Brandon, I know you know, Jared, you may know too a little bit. Um, when my daughter gets sick, it's not she gets to sit on the couch and watch TV. It's breathing treatments every other hour. It's hospital visits. It's steroid shots. It's, it's not fun. And so when all this is coming out, it's one of those things where you're right. It's, I mean, when you start looking at the psychological effects of even the adults, you know, that's, you start questioning everybody like, oh, where, where have you been? <laughs> you know, type of thing. And to kind of piggyback off of what Jared was saying with, you know, having uh, friends and stuff, we were very blessed to find some neighbors down the street who both worked from home. They had two kids. Um, they weren't going anywhere. And I believe 100% that that was Zoe's saving grace to her mental health. Um, because, you know, once again, when we play that teacher role, and when we have parents who choose not to homeschool, when you play that teacher role, you no longer get to be just a parent. 
-hmm. you're now you're now doing this whole separate thing that is psychological learning is very psychological and when they don't get to leave that learning space and go to what is considered a safe space their house or whatever there's never it never feels like a break for them and right. now they're at, now they're in a place where they can't even leave their home at all <laughs> like so yeah. it's like we're learning there now we're parenting there and now they have to enjoy their time there as well um i know i don't know about kyle but we're blessed in arizona that at least we have pools like we can yeah. go outside in the backyard and go swimming yeah but yeah we have a pool i put a pool on yeah i think what what is lost is also that parents at least for me right i can speak to our household being a medical device we thought we were impervious to anything right because surgeries always happen and then as soon as COVID shut down all elective surgeries i mean essentially you start i i was on 160 flights last year right my, my life centered around traveling and doing things and then march hit and now i'm at home i literally have nothing to do and so my identity and trying to figure out well what am i doing how what where am i going what's happening and then it's oh hey but you need to sit down and now become a teacher and while trying to figure out and so i don't think there, there was any understanding uh from uh, there wasn't any any empathy from the teachers to say hey i'm sorry like this sucks i get it it was more like well this is what we do every day and mm -hmm. you know you'll you'll figure it out it, it, that that was probably the the a difficult thing in our house just trying to figure out well gosh i don't even know who i am anymore much less how i'm going to teach these kids to be something different right i think this is a point where a lot of men and women are just fundamentally different i'm not making a point on gender roles or stereotyping but i think that a lot of women are much more natural caretakers and educators and some men struggle with with this when thrust in this sudden more sedentary role particularly if they've been more of a nomadic travel life such as mike has had Mike has probably been used to being fun dad, and the kids would be more or less just very excited to see him when he came home from trips. His role is likely a large departure from the normal archetype. And now I'm not excusing him from, from doing the duties that he's supposed to do or, or saying that his wife should be picking up the slack. She too works a full-time job, which now is 100% from home. I think it's our responsibility as men to help the women pick up the slack and not make them feel like they necessarily have to be now stay-at-home wives or cannot work their job full-time. They've had years of struggle, you know, to get to this point where it's an easy decision for them to be able to work. And I really think that this is an opportunity for um, us as their counterparts to ensure that this continues. Right. I'll tell you right now for Teacher Appreciation Week, Daddy bought himself some whiskey. <laughs> I just finished mine. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what Mike was saying is a pretty good transition point to the, the next uh, topic of conversation. Um, when, uh, first of all, I didn't ever like summers because Mike would travel, I think, uh, you know, 88 of the 90 days of summer uh, with all his flights and business deals and vacations and stuff. But this summer he was grounded or this kind of spring and summer and uh, uh, opportunity hit. We had to, we, we ended up raising about $60,000 and sending these innovation boxes all over the country. So it was a really cool kind of opportunity that Mike was able to do to really give back. But so that, that was some of the things that Mike got to do. So Mike, well, is there any other thing other than doing these innovation boxes with me that, that um, you know, COVID affected you personally? 
Yeah, I, it actually, it was, it was interesting because you don't think about when you get in such a routine of travel, right? I mean, I've been doing this for the last decade, every year, day in, day out, I'm, I'm was gone, you know, 75% of the time. And then when you're grounded, you, you almost go into an anxiety attack of not being on an airplane or being in a hotel, which sounds really weird. Uh, but what's been great for us, at least for my wife and I, I think our marriage has gotten so much stronger uh, because, I mean, we've even been able to go, our therapist is seeing people live. And so we've been able to go and do therapy and, uh, and really spend some quality time with each other. And obviously now starting a business together and doing, doing these things, uh, has, has been phenomenal. And, uh, it, it has been difficult for the kids because now that I'm home, I'm busier than I've ever been trying to start a new business. And so they see it in a different way, right? It's, it's almost worse, at least when I was gone they didn't see all the activity. It was just an absence. But now if you're home and trying to do something, it's, there's a constant tug for time, right? Like they don't understand why you're in the other room and not giving them the attention that they, they, they need. Yeah, Cause I'm sure when you were home before you were fun dad, Mike, right? So yeah, like it was that, come home. Do, yeah. do exactly. That was exactly right. Right. Come home. Dole out any punishments that were needed, have some fun, get back on the road. <laughs> right. So anyone personally in your life or outer circles that, that contracted the virus? Yeah. So uh, my wife's cousin had it pretty bad, was never actually went to the hospital. Uh, he's more of that prideful, I'll probably just die at home kind of guy. But I mean, he, he ended up getting very sick. He was down for the count for about three weeks. I think he said he ended up losing like 20 pounds, wow. just refused to go to the hospital. Um, and so that was, that was pretty rough for him. Um, as far as immediate circle, you know, we've had a lot of people, uh, that we've seen have tested positive, but not had any real effects. Right. So, um, we shut our office down. We, we shut it down multiple times because of po positives inside the office. And then, so we, we'd basically clear everybody out for a couple of weeks and then pop back open. But, uh, yeah, no, nobody that's been hospitalized. In a brutal twist of irony, a day or two later, Mike actually contracted COVID symptoms. His tests were negative, but clinically I'm pretty sure he had it. As for the company we started during the pandemic, much more on that in an upcoming podcast. Kyle, I'm sure you've had kind of a, you know, obviously more similar to me, but far different experience than, than the other people. Yeah. So our first in the county, in, our, in my county, our very first COVID patient was one of the nurses' wives in the ER, who we all knew. And she was super sick, almost died, was in the hospital for like three weeks. And her spouse and daughter, you know, as you would expect, got it as well. But neither of them, the daughter had like a headache for one day and that was it. And the spouse had like nothing. And so they just quarantined until it went away. But that was, right around the middle of March, into March. And I am going through this divorce and um, I've met a nice girlfriend who's great and has really helped with the kids, but we had to get tested and I had to quarantine from the kids and, and not see the kids for like an extra five days. I wasn't expecting. And that was like the worst. And I was like, ah, oh, and this was in March when none of us do anything about anything. We're like, do we, do we, do we not see the kids for months at a time? Cause I'm in the hospital all the time. And um, yeah, I did that. And I was like, Nope, never again. Not, 
I can't sacrifice that ever again. And so um, take the kids. Um, other than that, my cousin in New York had it, uh, but he didn't go to the hospital. Um, and no one else I know has tested positive personally. Um, but uh, it can really affect things. Um, that said, cases are going up in the county, but um, no one I know has had it symptomatically. I'm coaching Little League right now. No, as far as I know, none of the players have had it. We're all outside. Um, I got my antibodies tested a couple weeks ago. They were negative still. Um, so I don't, even though, even if I've been asymptomatic, I don't think I've had it. Um, so we're doing okay, I guess. Great. Uh, Jer. So are you wanting to know, because uh, Kyle went one way, Mike went another on the question. Are Just you how wanting it's to affected know? you personally? family i know you can talk about how you had to miss seeing your your grandma yeah yeah um that's well that's that's the ultimate starting point of all this that i, I didn't even mention off the top is um i had a plan to go visit my grandma in chicago um the day after president trump made his uh, speech from the oval office about um shutting down international travel shutting down visitation to nursing homes and it was really I, i'm I'll never forget it. It was really the first, you know, indication that 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 this is real. And when it ended, uh, the speech ended. I called my aunt who was in Chicago, and I was like, "Is Nana, who's my grandma's name, is Nana's nursing home going to be open?" I don't know if you watched the president's speech. She was at dinner, and I said, "You know what? I didn't, but let me check." Sure enough, uh, they were shutting down, and I had to cancel my flight. Uh, the reason why I was planning to go see her is because, to be honest, I don't know. How much longer she's going to be with us she's getting old and mm -hmm. she's had a great life and and uh and she's still very sharp for her age um but uh i haven't been out there in a while because i have kids um the other way it's really affected me um is i've barely spent any time with my parents uh, my mom watches has watched all three of my kids from about my since my oldest was about six to eight months old up through my son now being there once a week um she is someone that we look toward to watching them on a consistent basis. They have their own language. They speak their own language. They have, they have all the kids have their own toys there. Um, but we've had to shut that down because my dad is a very high risk. My dad has had a series of back surgeries um, that date back for, I don't know, maybe seven or eight in the last eight years, um, seven years. And uh, one of the surgeries caused his diaphragm to be paralyzed kyle brandon you guys probably speak to this a little bit better than i can but yeah. because his diaphragm was paralyzed when your lungs touch your diaphragm and don't your diaphragm doesn't move with your lungs the lung will kind of shrivel up a little bit to what i've learned and uh, unfortunately that happened and he worked through it but he still only has about 60 to 70 percent lung capacity uh, as a result of these surgeries um so we've needed to really you know take it seriously with him and that when we decided the day we were going to send our kids back to camps and daycares and stuff because that's what we needed to do to survive as a as our own family unit it meant not being able to see grandma and grandpa which not only affected us emotionally because we love them but also impacted us logistically because we no longer had my mom to help out with the kids when all these people were being like don't you have anyone to help don't you have anyone to do this I'm like this is a pandemic like everyone's trying to stay home and be to themselves like right. like it just killed me the amount of times people would be like isn't there someone that can come and help and bail you out and this this and that like 
Like, no, no one wants to go into someone else's houses. No one's trying to welcome people into their houses right now because you can't babysit what everyone's doing. Um, I find it interesting that three of the four dads on the podcast represent situations that we worry about with school reopenings. We'll touch on Kyle shortly, but we've seen that Tyler has somewhat of a compromised kiddo who would be scary if she had a more severe form of the respiratory side of the virus. But importantly, with Jared, we see a far more common theme here. A family member that would be incredibly risky should he contract the virus. We don't have the complete data on whether or not kids are, tra are transmitters. As I mentioned previously, it appears as though they spread less, unless they're symptomatic, and at that point, perhaps more? So maybe, maybe not, maybe worse, clear as mud. Either way, this is the situation most needing to be discussed, and why it should be closer to a family-by-family -family decision rather than school-by-school -school or nationwide to return to school in person. Right, and just to emphasize Jared's point, his dad is essentially the patriarch of our family. And not only is he well loved and respected from us, but he's not to kind of give away who he is, but he's a very, very important person in the community as well. So just just him getting sick would be very detrimental. So it, mm -hmm. it makes it even more um, important on Jared's side to just not be able to see him, unfortunately. Yeah. Although the, the, the long hair that he's rocking right now is because he hasn't gotten a haircut. Is, uh, he's yes. bringing back the mullet right now. He's, got some, he's got some sick flow and lettuce right now. You know he looks good, going. though. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's, it's still him. He can never not look good. Tyler. He, as, as he would mm -hmm. say, can I help it? Can I help <laughs> it? You can't help it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'm up. Yeah, things, uh, things are have been really interesting and around us too because my parents um still work and like i was saying before you know we have the, our daughter um and i thought when it first hit i don't think we spent easter i'll never forget this and i'll never forget as long as i live we spent easter on our driveway wearing masks 12 feet apart from each other norman rockwell is pretty much synonymous with you know at least in his era paintings that reflected the american culture it was often families depicted in everyday life. I can just imagine him transplanted to this time period and illustrating the dynamic of Tyler's Easter day described perfectly. This is an absolutely incredibly odd time to be alive. Like that's pictures. how we, that, right? you took pictures to, to keep from crying. You laughed to keep from crying. Like that's what it felt like where it was just like, man, like this is, how long is this gonna be a thing? Um, you know, like I said, like my mother still works. And so she had made a, a, a uh, commitment to the people she works with that they would all do a, as much as they can with social distancing. Um, and during that time, my sister had, an, had another baby. Um, you know, it, it, it really did put a hiccup in a lot of issues. Hey, what's up, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I was my, wearing pants, guys. Damn, <laughs> my secret. Um, so my sister, my sister is a nurse uh, down in Tucson, and so you know, we, we have all of these people who could have been exposed. So the, the whole plan was, you know, just to stay away from each other. And um, you know, I got, I've been known to be a little bit of a cynic. And so, you know, my parents, my parents would come over, I'd be like, oh, Zoe, don't touch grandma. And then grandma would be like, really sad. But she's like, you know, I don't want this. And it's like, you know, I'm trying to make jokes because I'm really upset. 
you know, that's how I, how I tend to deal with crying things. on the inside. Yeah. Crying, crying on the inside. Um, but you know, the biggest, the biggest thing that really affected me is that I was my, I was supposed to be opening a brewery this year and, um, all of that got put on the back burner. Uh, mm. you know, whether you, you know, in hindsight, you know, with COVID happening, super blessing that we didn't open. Right. Um, because if we had the plan was to open in March, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so um huzzah for, for for not doing that but at the same time what it allowed me to do is I've, I've met some great people in the community now that I'm, I'm partnering with and uh you know we're now taking a different path so as much as COVID has been really crappy um I'm a huge advocate of things happen for a reason and I'm, I just I pray that you know everything we come out stronger with this because I mean, that's all I can hope. <laughs> that's all I can hope for. I can't, oh, I can't keep being upset about it. And thankfully, after a certain amount of time, like so many of us, like my parents were just like, hey, screw it. As long as you guys aren't, you know, going to concerts and doing all this crazy stuff, like I need all to those see concerts that are still going on. Right. Exactly. You crazy kids in your <laughs> concerts. You crazy kids in your, in your rap music. Uh, <laughs> That, you know, at, at that point, they're like, we just, we need to see the girls. We need, our mental health starts becoming more of a priority. Um, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and sometimes our physical health because it was deteriorating. And um, I just, I'm very thankful that we were able to have that conversation. And thankfully my parents aren't high risk, um, but they understand Penelope. And so they take their mitigated risks in the community in order to be able to still see us, which is, mm -hmm. which is important. Um, a, I'm still waiting on my, you know, cans of black is beautiful beer. I, got some. I, I, I gotta have some, <laughs> I haven't had beer in months, but I, I need it. I need yeah. that in my life, that particular one. Cause I know you, you had a hand in that. I did. Uh, B, I know Becky's probably been a little, you know, affected by this professionally, but if you had any cases in your life that in your family that, that had been positive. So I've had, um, a close friend of mine had COVID. She had the loss of smell and taste, fever for a while, but overall she was okay. Um, Becky has had some people that she knows that have been hit with COVID, obviously working in her profession. Um, but thankfully, and, my, and some people outside my, my, my circle, like my parents' friends, um, some of those folks have gotten it. Um, but thankfully, in my tight knit of a circle, um, everyone's been relatively healthy, which is That's good. a blessing. Um, but one of the people with whom got it from a family friend of ours, um, it's, it's interesting because you could tell, like the way he explains it, he was miserable, but, the, but then like the outside of it, he's like, but it wasn't too bad. It's like, well, you were in bed for two weeks. Like, what do you mean it wasn't too bad? <laughs> like, oh, oh, you, you dropped twenty five pounds? Yeah, that that's that's normal. But like, so it's it, future, you, not you, a bug, right? You get, this, you get this weird sense of like. Is he an anti masker? <laughs> yeah. But, but I think that's so interesting because you get you you get those those types of incidences where it's like, yeah, I had a fever for fourteen days straight, but it wasn't that bad. Sir, you're literally on fire. Right. It's, like, it's like, why can't we just admit that like that was really crappy? <laughs> like, I hope no one gets this. Yeah. Fortunately, so I, I ended up all right. 
yeah, I want to try. To, I want to try to share something. Let's see if I can send this over on the screen. Uh, I need to give you. Uh, this was, this was my second to last flight. I don't know if you guys can see this. Do you oh, see? Yeah, that? I love this picture. <laughs> That's amazing. That that was literally my second to last flight before uh, I got shut down in March. For those listening not on YouTube, Mike is showing what appears to be a man sitting across the aisle from him on a flight. Instead of just wearing a mask or other PPE or just wearing normal clothing, he's literally garbed in a beekeeper suit. And every and so we were we were the first seats on the plane, right? That so we're, my hero. and I so I'm taking pictures of this guy and everyone's getting on like look at this asshole, look at this guy. Like every every single person's making I mean, fun of this defense, guy. in his defense he was carrying a beehive, right? Yeah. He looks like but, the wicker so, man. <laughs> but think about that. So this yeah as crazy this was literally the craziest thing you think you could ever see on an airplane i mean within reason right i've seen a lot of crazy things i've never seen this and every single person that walked by made fun of him and now like i don't think a single person would even question this guy where do i get okay yeah this is (laughs) this is the new norm right but you think about that was in february and we were coming back from puerto rico and so he clearly knew something that nobody else did, uh, but it's just interesting that that was that was kind of my first exposure, and so kind of as a smart ass, i skeptic for the most part. Like that was what I went into COVID with, going, great. Now we're, this is all this is doing is going to bring out every crazy, and I'm going to have to sit next to these idiots on every single flight, right? Mike, there was no pro. Yeah, Mike, you didn't I'm tell the, the best part now. of this story. What's that? Didn't he like try to get you thrown off the plane because you bumped him? No, no. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, oh boy. Yes, he, he didn't get me. He didn't try to get me thrown off the plane. So as we got, we landed in Charlotte. Uh, he was trying to get his bag out of the overhead, and it was like a metal briefcase, right? Like one of those aluminum ones. And he pulled it out and hit me with it, and I kind of reacted and, and freaked out. And I, and so underneath the beehive, you can't see. He's actually got a. a plastic face shield right and so i i kind of reacted and threw my arm back and i knocked his face shield off <laughs> not, not on purpose right i'm just a big goofy guy I knocked his face shield off exhibit b Groot. and he lost it he's screaming at me i'm gonna get the cops when we get off this plane you know just going berserk and so yeah, that was, that was my first experience to COVID. That's been yeah. the most traumatic thing I've had happen in my life. You're uh, the road. Yeah. It's kind of fortunate between this call and the call with the, the moms that did before, no one's really had any um, really, really sick personal contact. So that's, that's a good thing, I guess. But I mean, I will unexpected. say my, uh, my friend in Indianapolis, he sent his kid back to daycare a couple of months ago and they that daycare has only had one positive case and no one else other than that, that kid got it from that and they're still open. So like it's anecdotal, but doesn't right. seem to be. Yeah. Right. So I think for us, it's like, we're cautiously optimistic, right? It, it's it, the exact right, term I, see, I use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see you mm-hmm. pretty regularly and we, you know, have a lot of interaction and. Oh man, if he's Groot, does that make me the raccoon? I was hoping for Star-Lord. I'm shocked that at some point you haven't been truly mm-hmm. positive and then and like it's just this domino effect that has had. 
and it hasn't. And so it, it, yeah. it always is in the back of your mind, like, eh, how bad is this really? Yeah. But then also hearing the stories and watching you be on the front line gives a different perspective, right? So it's one thing to sit at home and see the ticker go up every day, which now we've just turned the TV off completely because we can't handle it. But uh, mm -hmm. there's still like, even you go out today, you know, I run to Home Depot. Like, there's still people without masks and now it becomes this weird like oh gosh I, it, it's weird to see somebody without a mask now and my kids we were in tahoe last week trying to keep kids to wear a mask is almost impossible especially boys right, right? yeah they become slingshots and oh god as they get older yeah yeah so you know they're now we're trying to have this discussion of okay they got to wear masks in school what do we do right how do we how do we manage this new norm of back to school with masks and they got to sit yeah. in their desk and take their temperature twice a day and you know just these these weird things i ought to buy them a beehive mike <laughs> yep. okay. i always I, wanna... I always thought you would get it because of becky you know you, you and and i'm sure brandon and kyle you, you're in the kind of same boat where every day she's seeing patients and uh, one, and so like between March and April, I was like, man, we're gonna get it, we're gonna get it. And then in April, my wife sent me a picture of herself at the office, mm -hmm. with like goggles on, a mask on, like all this stuff. And I'm like, and people like who we know were afraid of her. Like we're afraid of Becky, like our friends and stuff like that. And I was like, did you go to the grocery store today? I was like, there is 99.9% .9 of people at the grocery store are less protective than she is eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And it, it was it was the first eye-opening experience of my life that um, with this COVID stuff, where I'm finding that I have, and as Brandon, and I'm sure as well. For the audio only folks, Kyle left for a few minutes without really saying anything and came back wearing a full respirator that now makes him look like he's straight out of a post-apocalyptic movie or a video game like mad max or something my medical <laughs> friends have been mostly untouched by this and the people who have gotten it are not people who are in the medical field with whom i know and so that's one of those things that is always like you know you i'm more apt to probably get it going to fries than having dinner at brandon's yeah i thought i'd be at super risk at the hospital and and wear my mask or yeah I, I don't wear goggles as much as i should i have this thing for when they're known positives but i don't clean my stuff like i wash my hands i don't like change as soon as i get home like everyone else, oh, oh you got to change all your clothes as soon as you get home and take a shower i don't do any of that and lauren, lauren makes brandon strip naked in the front yard and hoses him down well, my, <laughs> mike, is, mike is there with the hose let's yeah. be honest yeah it's like <laughs> and then I, I, I go i've been going to restaurants i've been going to the store i've been going to Lowe's. i've been going to walmart since this all started yeah. and yeah, Kyle, I'm really I, bad about wearing masks and I, don't I know. think there's no. something though to to possibly previous interactions with the body and other coronaviruses because we're just Maybe. not seeing it in healthcare the way we saw it in Italy mm -hmm. where they were falling by the wayside it's just oh, it's yeah. different. right it's different I don't know why but well, uh, when the Italy stuff hit I was afraid and oh I thought I was going to get really sick I, I was yeah. resigned to the fact that I was going to get sick really sick at some point and possibly hospitalized and none of our doctors have had it have any of your doctors had it mm -hmm. yeah 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 i intubated one of our rts and um Ooh. yeah one of our icu nurses uh, husbands who is a 36 year old marine yeah. just died 
Like Ooh, we've, we've had we've, a couple nurses yeah. and radiology techs, but none of the docs. Yeah, we've had a, some sick docs, but no one hospitalized sick. We've had nurses hospitalized, but not docs. I think yeah. for the most part, a lot of the docs that work with are pretty hands off. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. All right, I need to make a pit stop at some point. Here's as good a time as any. We've had some really good conversation and their difficulties in adapting their roles with their families, struggles teaching while working, and even fears about their kids or relatives becoming ill. The conversation is about to take a turn here where when we start talking about school openings and the hesitation being seen throughout the country to restart school in person. Civility is maintained, but I definitely have some more difficult editing ahead of me. Tune in for the next one. It's a doozy.